Welcome to Hot Takes and Beer Breaks. We were over-intoxicated and under-informed. We're just three dudes talking news and drinking booze. I'm John. I'm Jason. And I'm Justin. Okay, Brittany. How are you doing today? Are you ready? I'm good. It's, I don't even know what day it is. It feels like it's Monday, but it's Tuesday and I can't wait for Friday. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you because we're we're personal friends. We go we go back a ways, Brittany. Before we get into you, I wanna I wanna ask you something, all right? Because freshman year, I transferred into Western <laughs> Connecticut State University, right? That was the mm. first time I got to meet you. And just to give Jason and Justin, you guys, a picture of who Brittany is, like she was like her best friend. Her birthday, she asked me to come down and surprise her, and she met mm-hmm. me without even knowing me in a random I'm cafeteria. So sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> It was a good time, though, right? It was a good, good birthday surprise, right, Britt? I'd say so. I thought it worked out. All right, but then also, Brittany's a terrible person because, like, on my transfer down to Western Connecticut, she was like, "Hey, we're gonna take you out to the club. We're gonna have a good time out on your first time out because everyone goes out on Thursday nights because no one has class on Fridays." And then she ditched me to go to the bar. Nice. Do you remember that, Britt? Hot take. I'm on her side for this one. Thank you. See? Why didn't you just go to the bar, John? No, I went to the club. Oh. Because someone here didn't have a fake ID and someone here did. Wow, so somebody's respecting the law? (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I thought that was a funny story, though, because it was like, I was super excited. Britt's talking me up the whole day. She's like, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be so much good. And then like seven o'clock comes. She's like, yeah, we're not really feeling going out there. We're going to go to the bar instead. And just oh, we pivoted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Britt. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you today. We're going to get into the rise in Asian American hate crime. That spiked by 150% over the past year, which is awful. But let's get to know you a little bit better. Why don't you explain what you do at your work? Okay, so so my current title is I'm an assistant director of design and UX at the Hartford, um, which that translates to I support the middle and large commercial sector um, for user experience and design. So think about... Think about apps, even like, let's just talk about Google right now, what we're using for Google Meet. My job is to design the experience from the time you open the link to the time you're done with it, along with what the user interface looks like to make sure that it's intuitive, modern. Um, And I am able to design that and pass it off to our developers where they're actually able to bring it to life. That's kind of my job in a nutshell. I didn't understand a word of that. I mean, I don't mean to brag over here, but all three of us combined together to make a somewhat comprehensive podcast. (laughs) I don't know about that uh, comprehensive part. (laughs) Somewhat. Uh, It's actually pretty cool. So like, so, so you're, so are you designing or are you like the one that's like beta testing? You're, you're troubleshooting everything or you start to finish from an app from the user experience. So usually I do start to finish from an app. So in my current role within middle and large commercial, um, so I have underwriters. Those are my users. I have to understand like their jobs, their roles, their pain points. And so one of the pain points they have is they need to be able to price businesses. So think of like an Amazon, for example. They have how many warehouses across the world. Um, Amazon can reach out to Hartford for insurance and the underwriters need to be able to price, you know, what is going to be the insurance policy we're going to give out? Like, what is the premium? So they need to do it fast. 
So mm. it's my job to understand what are those pain points for these underwriters that when pricing, they need to deliver it fast. You know, what are the, the bottlenecks? So is it a bad system that's not intuitive? Is it like, you know, what is it about the system? So my job to understand that and then design solutions around those pain points. So for example, what I'm currently doing, we have a database that's really ugly. It's really old. It takes an X amount of time to do it. And they've invested millions of dollars to upgrade it. And we want to make sure we're increasing productivity and the pricing premiums are going out faster so we can get more business. Okay. So, so it's, it's basically the equivalent of what John does on, on our podcast. <laughs> He, he will learn what the youths are doing in the day, do the crazy TikTok dances for them in order to get more people on, onto our podcast. Yes. I didn't understand a word. Are you sure we went to the same school? We did. I'm glad Justin understood that. Well, I went to a school as well. Oh, Tuesday schools. I was like, holy shit. I think Britt went to a different like education center than I did. That was incredible. class. Mm, yeah. This is true. I did go to class. Is that what that was for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's uh, awesome, though. It, it seems like you'll never get bored because it's always something oh. new. Oh, no. And that's the best part about this field. Like, you know, my undergrad was actually in IT. And then I did my master's of, in design specifically because I didn't want to do the IT part. I like, I was over it, to be honest with you. And yeah. I wanted to do some parts of it and business strategy, but it's creative and I'm able to stay on top of everything in the world. Nice. Plus it oh. also is interesting when things are really bad. Like recently I switched providers for my cell phone and that experience was as horrendous as horrendous gets. And I'm like screaming at the <laughs> troubleshooting people. I'm like, optimize this experience because that's my job. Sprint T-Mobile, huh? <laughs> oh no, even worse. I went to Verizon. Oh, Love the service. The experience is rough. Mm. God, I hope no one from Verizon hears this. I don't have Verizon. Oh, you mean this episode is sponsored by Verizon Fire. Brent, what are you uh, excited? Because every time I talk to you, you're always excited about your job, just as you explained to us just now. Like, what do you hope to accomplish in your career field? Oh God! What a loaded question. Um, Sorry, it's funny. Someone all of your hopes and dreams in thirty seconds. (laughs) Thirty seconds. Actually, someone just asked me that loaded question. They asked, "What is my design journey, or where do I want to go?" And right now, the newest—not newest thing, but the thing that I feel like my track has led me to is obviously I want to go up the ladder. So right now, I've had you know I'm really lucky to be in the role I'm at. but I end up wanting to be the head of inclusive design. So designing for all types of users across the board, whether you come from, if you have a disability to accessibility to different people of color, like making sure that experiences for users on a platform is as inclusive as possible. That's where I want to go, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Wow. I saw that was one of your like social causes you care about is DEI. And I looked that up and I, I thought that was really cool how you just want to include everyone into everything, you know, make sure it's as user friendly as possible. So do you want to expand upon that and talk about like. Yeah, um, I think, you know, one of the things I'm going to be very transparent and honest, and I say this even to people like whether it's, I'm talking on Clubhouse or just my peers, like I'm not an expert quite yet in DE and I, so diversity, equity, inclusion, but I'm learning and you know, I think that's the part of this that I love is that I want to be able to make a difference in terms of design, but I need to get there. I need to learn through people's experiences. Like 
I want to make sure that someone's using a platform, you know, I, that they are able to use the platform and not have to feel that they're being excluded. Um, I was recently reading a book from by one of my friends and he talked about this example of, I think it was like grocery shopping through mobile apps. They target specific users that are, you know, the soccer moms of the world that make it easy, order it online. I have an iPhone, you know, pick it up. It's easy. But what about the people that are from lower poverty areas that can't, they don't have access to a smartphone? Or what about the disabled folks that have disabilities that make it hard for them to use that app that grocery shopping is the bane of their existence? How do we make it accessible across the board for people that they don't have to feel like having the request and an accommodation that they feel wrong, that this is like, this sucks. Um, I think that's kind of where I'm going. And I think for me, the social cause, it, it's, it's making sure that we're building awareness across that space. And like, I truly cannot emphasize, like, I'm not perfect in this. I'm just learning. I mean, if you knew where I grew up, you would be like, well, why is Brittany going down this path? Um, it's just something that I think I have a purpose and passion for. Is there something in your past that like drove you to that? Cause you did talk about like where you grew up just now. And like you, you kind of talked about like certain experiences. Is there anything you want to like expand upon with that? Yeah. And, and, and I think we'll talk about it more through the podcast. Um, you know, so just I'll put this out there. I am Korean American. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm adopted. So my parents are white. Um, my last name is German and I've been raised in a very predominantly white community and I've been raised pretty sheltered. Um, and, you know, I think living that life and being exposed to some of the things I've been exposed to and hearing people's experiences, I think that's just changed my perspective a bit. Um, and I really cannot emphasize enough that it's just, I'm learning. I'm, I'm trying to listen to people's experiences. I'm trying to understand the things I didn't understand when I was a kid or even when I was in college. Um, and also trying not to kind of fall down the path of imposter syndrome, which sometimes I, I struggle with myself. Mm. Like, was it tough growing up in that kind of like household, like where you have two white parents maybe, and like you maybe don't like get that experience of learning about your Korean culture or anything like that? Um, you know, it's interesting because and I'm going to say this is like, I was raised by two phenomenal parents. I mean, mm just because we don't look alike and we don't have to share the same blood doesn't mean that they're any different. You know, a lot of my friends, even to this day, they'll still refer to like my parents as like my adoptive parents, or they'll be like, well, what do you ever think about your real parents? But like my real parents is mom and dad, the ones that raised me and got me through college. Like they're regardless of how we look. Um, I think it got tough as I got older. I think when I was younger, I didn't know what I didn't, you know, that phrase actually, you don't know what you don't know. Like that was me. And unfortunately, when I was a teenager, I had lost my mom. She had died from cancer. And my dad, who's a very humble but quiet human being, never rate prefaced my brother or I that we're going to face racism. They never talked about any of it. Um, and, you know, my family, while I love them to death, they also are very, how do I say this? Sheltered people and very white. <laughs> and I'm just going to mm -hmm. say it straightforward. Um, so you know, growing up in a white community, not knowing what racism is, hearing the slang words, hearing the things people say, like, I didn't know what it was. And you kind of go through this stage of like, you don't know how you fit in. And like, I remember so many experiences where like, I did everything in my power to like, be white. <laughs> like, I remember after my mom had passed away, she was a big one, a big person against makeup. 
And I remember like I caked the makeup on to make my eyes look bigger. I dyed the hell out of my hair to like look more white. And like in the end, like that's not, you know, I look at pictures of myself. I'm like, oh, there's Brittany with the raccoon eyes. There she is. Like, it's funny because like, I didn't know, but like, you know, as I've grown up and I've seen the other half of it and still learning it, it's like, I don't know. It wasn't hard getting raised that way, but it's hard now having those conversations. Mm. And then like, I know you went to South Korea to actually learn about your birth mom. And like, what yep. was that experience like? Was that exciting, nervous? Like, how do you kind oh of deal with that? God, that was an experience. Let me tell you. Um, so just like kind of background and context. So again, I'm adopted. I got lucky that my birth mom left a note in my file in Korea that if I ever were to reach out, she'll, she's there. And, you know, I reached out when I was 16, 17. Um, I think at the time I, I wasn't connected to Korean culture. I, I just miss my mom. And I thought that maybe in some part of this, I could connect with my birth mom and find that part of my heart again. Um, little did I know it would have changed my whole world. Um, we connected over letters. We still talk to this day via letters and going to Korea. I got lucky that my adoption agency was so gracious of letting me go on this, like welcome home tours, what they called it. And I was able to go there and meet my birth mom, which was amazing, but also so many emotions. And I remember even like, actually even taking a step back, getting, I remember I took a direct flight from Bradley to Texas and then rushed from that stop to the Korea stop. Um, and I remember getting on that flight and I remember having that shock of like, holy shit, everybody is fucking Asian. Like I remember having a mental breakdown at age 20 on the flight by myself going to another country, calling my dad in tears, which by the way, I am a travel person. So this is not the me thing. Calling my dad crying that like, dad, everyone's Korean. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't do this. I need to go home. Like, I don't see any white people, black people. Like, I, I, I can't do this. And he literally was like, you have to calm down. Like, you're going to be fine. And then they had to shut my phone off because I had to take off. Like, I remember being on the flight and like the, the flight attendants were talking to me in Korean, but you know, my face is Korean, but I don't know what you're saying. And I literally was like, I don't speak Korean. I'm sorry. Um, the little boy next to me didn't speak Korean or only spoke Korean. Everyone around me was Korean. And I was like, holy shit, what am I doing? Like, I just made it such a mistake. Get to Korea. I literally gravitated towards two white people that must have been on the back of the flight. And they helped me get through customs because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And got there. A lot of it's blurry now that I'm older, but like, I remember getting in the taxi, someone picking me up and then finding out that I'm going to meet my birth mom in what, eight hours, just got to another country. I don't even know what time zone it is. I'm like, all messed up. They've already force fed me all this Korean food on a flight. I'm like, what the hell? I just want McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it, it it was a lot. And I remember going and meeting my birth mom was just like insane. It's, you know, if you guys look at your parents, you look at them and you kind of see like your eyes are from them or your hair or whatever. Like I never can look at my dad and be like, Hey, German dad, like we have the same eyes. Like, no, it's not that way. (laughs) But seeing my birth mom and like, I remember saying like to my parents, like my mom, my birth mom has the same hands as I do. Like that's where I get my hands or like we have the same facial structure and to have that shock of like, Holy shit. Someone looks like me. It's kind of just like, whoa. Um, 
It was a very short meeting. She has kids and she has a life. And unfortunately, the way the Korean culture is, they are not at the place where we are. We're having a child out of wedlock is something that is acceptable. Um, so I am very much a secret. I've remained a secret. That's why we still talk through letters. Um, but I never push on her at all by any means of like, I want more because she has a life. And, you know, I, I could never put myself in her shoes having a baby. What? She was 22-ish, 22-ish. Her family, her parents never knew about it. She hid the pregnancy and I was a secret. And she had me, went to the hospital, gave birth and left. And to think that your baby is getting sent to another country with people, you have no idea who they are. And you never know where your child is for years. And so now that she has children of her own, she knows where I'm at. But like, I don't want to push on that and like make her feel any guilt on top of the guilt she's already felt. Like, I have a life, I'm healthy, I have beautiful parents. And it's important that I make sure she knows that, but I never push on her for more. And then, you know, having that experience has totally changed me because now I feel like not attached, but I definitely feel more connected to my Korean roots because obviously outside of that, then I went to go visit Korea and I loved it. Except for, I will tell you, when I got back to Texas, I ate McDonald's because I was so ready for that food. <laughs> it's a dick. <laughs> Which, by the way, fun fact, their McDonald's, it was good, but like they had like squid burgers and like less mm -hmm. fat. And I was like, Ooh, it sounds really good though. <laughs> yeah, you say that, but then like, we're lucky that I can have like, I can have Mexican, I can go to Korean, I can get Italian here, mm -hmm. and that's part of our lives. But like going to McDonald's and being like, hey, can I have a squid burger and thinking it's a Big Mac? <laughs> it's a different world. <laughs> get the mixed squid? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Awesome, but like once you're at like the, I was there for three weeks. But once I got to that two week mark, I was like, "Oh my god, I need a piece of pizza, not like bulgogi." Like I'm done. <laughs> Did you feel more comfortable when you came back home? Like not just having the food. Like obviously you had that connection to Korea, but like coming back home, like where you've been the most. Like, did you feel more safe, kind of? Um, coming home was interesting. I, I changed. My dad said it too. He was like, you're different. He's like, you can tell straightforward. You're just different. Um, it connected me more to my Korean roots. I felt a sense of before, up until that point, I was pretty much ashamed of being ever Asian. And I remember having confessed that to like my best friend's mom a few times that, you know, I don't like it. I hate it. And it's cause I didn't know what my identity was. So I definitely felt more safe and like comfortable but i would even say now i feel like i go through this journey of like feeling comfortable in my own skin like for example i'm part of i lead our enterprise um asian pacific erg network for one of our pillars never in my life would have ever joined an asian centered employee resource group because i never felt like i fit in and that's why i keep referring to sometimes the imposter syndrome because like you know, this is our my first year with my boyfriend that we celebrated like Korean New Year. Like I've learned so many times how to like cook Korean, but like I'm learning from books and YouTube and like doing my best. But like I don't have like I have a Korean birth mother and family there, but obviously right now I don't have the time or the relationship to be like, hey, let's go cook in my kitchen. Like mm -hmm. Roy, like mm -hmm. I know how my mom had cooked, you know, her Italian marinara sauce. So. I do struggle hard with that imposter syndrome piece because it's like, I wasn't raised that way, but like, mm -hmm. I don't have any of that to derive from. So like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I like 
am I right for doing it? Where like, I struggle with that identity piece of being Asian, but also being white because that's how I was raised. Is there also like growing up, like, like you're growing up white basically in this white family, Mm -hmm. but like, is there like memories you can like talk about where like maybe like you were treated differently because like maybe someone treated you differently based on the way you looked or something or like they, they, because you're Korean, like everyone will just like say something that's incredibly offensive that made you feel bad, I guess. Or even like they didn't mean to be offensive, but like it's like an offhand statement that they think Mm -hmm. is just all good fun, but it's something that actually took personal to you. I mean, it's funny. It's like all that stuff happened the slurs, the joke, all of it happened when I was younger. Not that it doesn't happen now, but like, I don't know. It was like a fitting in thing. So for example, like, you know, friends back home would make jokes and be like, Hey, you're Schlen- my last name is Schlank. So they would, their nickname was Schlanky Chinky. Like, it's funny to think about for a second, but like at age high school age, I didn't know any better because I wasn't getting told that that was wrong. Where like now I'm an adult and I'm like, yeah, you got to cut that. Um, I mean, I've gotten the backhanded comments, I think, across the board around like, wow, you're so pretty for like a Korean person or like you're such a pretty Asian. And it's like, there's a backhand part to this. Like, am I just pretty or like is it because I'm Asian? Um, those things that get said. And I think the tougher things that I'm learning now is like, um, you know, comments from my... So my family down south, uh, south souther than I am right now, isn't that exactly the word? Um, they're in Florida. We'll make it a word. We got you. We're gonna make it a word. Um, I love them, but they're they can be racist. They have racist things, and like you know, with COVID nineteen and the politics behind some of this, um, or even just like the political views. You know, I have family that has associated like COVID-19 with Asian people. I mean, Christmas, I literally remember my grandmother, God, let's not ever send her this video of her being like, you know, those Chinese people, they brought this like COVID-19 here, those Asians. Like, like, hello, like, I'm right here. Like, grandma, I'm literally right here. Nothing. They they don't get it. Is that tough? Oh, sorry, Justin. Uh, it, it it reminds me of like it, it's weird because whenever uh, whenever a lot of people throughout history and like you've seen this in like in the history books or anything, people who are racist, they there's always like one person of like color, or one person who's different than them that they're like, oh, but that that person's good, and it, they just they can take a singular thing. And be like, oh, but that's different. It's like, no, people are people. Mm-hmm. I, and to your point about the the COVID being like causing a lot of racism towards Asian people, it I I've heard people say like something as dumb as like, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get Chinese food anymore because of this. And it's like that doesn't solve why one year. Just from an like economic point of view, you're not supporting the small business because of mm-hmm. something that happened in another country. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's dumb. Okay. Yeah. It's just so dumb. It all just comes back to ignorance. Have you experienced anything like that, Britt? Because like, you're Korean and like a lot of ignorant people would just be like, Asia's Asia. And have, has anyone said anything like, oh, 
like called you Chinese or anything like that, like really offensive where they like assume that you're part of that culture or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to make sure I'm very clear on eliminating names and titles. Someone close to me and I, I know, so this is like the thing you have to remember intent, but also like what's right and what's wrong. And mm. you know, the context of how I grew up and like me letting that go is very important because some of these people that are closest to me still make comments and jokes because I've always let it happen. Um, someone very close to me when it happened, they literally texted me and said, Brit, your people need to stop eating that soup because look what you've done to the world. Very, very close to me. Wow. And again, I'm in this place of like, okay, ha ha funny, but like, you know how I grew up. Like, I, I don't associate necessarily to Asian culture. I literally just talked for like 20 seconds about imposter syndrome. Like, you know, I was raised by two white people and I get it's the intent is to make a joke, but the joke isn't funny. And it's like my responsibility to be like, all right, cut the shit. But I also feel to be honest. Like I, sometimes I feel wrong for even standing up for myself in that place. Because again, I struggle with the like, you're Asian, but you're also like the way you were raised, like you, it was always okay. So kind of like having to blend those two is very hard. I mean, that happened. And then I have a younger brother who's adopted. He's Korean as well. He is a mailman and he also gets a lot of comments from people. And he's in what the Danbury area where, you know, he's delivering to predominantly white communities and people are rude towards him. Like he's told me the stories and it's just very tough because it's like we're asian on the outside but like if you knew where our upbringing was like we're there's we're no different it's also disgusting because like it's first off covid is a freak thing like it's not anyone's fault like it's a natural thing that happened and it's not your guys's fault anyway like like no asian american here is the reason that covid happened you know what i mean like that's just a disgusting like, I don't understand why people just all of a sudden decide they're going to take their frustrations out on other Americans. You know what I mean? Like, Brett, you're an American. Like, that's mm -hmm. it's crazy to me that that happens. Well, uh, fun, fun fact about America. It's always been pretty uh, fucked up to Asian Americans. True. All the way back yeah. since uh, I did. A, I did a little bit of history uh, research. Uh, He's our history he, guy, just so you know, Brett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So all the way back in uh, 1882, as you can see on the Wikipedia page for the Chinese Exclusion Act, which mm -hmm. literally was, I, I want to say it's the only illegal or only immig uh, immigration act to prevent a certain like race of people from entering the country. And it was because there was like a whole thing with people going to the gold rush and they're like saying how Chinese people are taking their jobs. It's, it's always it's always people taking jobs when it comes to racism in this country. It's um, disgusting. And the fact that they were able to get actual things, laws passed to prevent people from entering. It's disgusting. Um, a show. OK, it's actually the preface of this. I don't know all of the history behind the Asian hate in the world. Like I am no expert. And so you, you know more than I do at this point. I, I, I can Wikipedia. <laughs> you, you, you taking the action of Wikipedia is more than I've done. And <laughs> I, I preface that because I never, I always say it, like I never want to come off like this expert or this like 
ad, not advocate, but I don't want to come off like I'm perfect in this. And just because I'm Asian means like I know everything. Let me tell you, I know jack shit. Um, but I will say there was a show. It's on HBO Max. And Warrior? Yes. I watched that mm-hmm. with my boyfriend who was the one that actually watched it before me. And I remember I kept walking downstairs in our house and I was like, what are you watching? Like they're screaming and I hear yelling. And like, I realized it was all Asian people. And then I started to like pick up on it. And then there was a scene in the second season when they lynched that man. Let me tell you, I have never in my life felt I hate this phrase, some type of way (laughs) about it because like, I've never, I don't know, this sounds really bad for me to admit and God, hopefully I don't come off wrong when I say this, you know, you hear in history that lynching is a thing, especially predominantly to the African-American community. We know the history Mm -hmm. of it, but I've never watched something that I looked at it and was literally like, oh my God, that person looks like me because they're Asian. And I remember watching that scene and I was like, holy shit, what did I just watch? And I remember feeling so sick, sick to my stomach. And I said to my boyfriend, like, this is like a lot. Like I have to like digest this because again, I've never watched something that was like that relatable. Cause you don't always see Asian American shows that are at that caliber. And most of the time, like, I mean, a lot of the Asian American Korean shows I've ever seen are on Netflix and they're like the ones that like are in full Korean with subtitles. And it's just, it's not highlighted as like, Hey, this is the top 10, you know, like mm-hmm. there's only a couple of shows that I can think of that way. And it's like, that one was one of them where I was like, Oh wow. They are really honing in on like some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. The, um, I, the, it's funny you bring up warrior cause I've never actually seen it, but I know like some of the behind the scenes stuff. I'm also the movie guy here. <laughs> um, so this was actually something it, I believe it was based on the writings of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And so he originally had like an idea for a script of like an Asian led, uh, led action, something. Mm-hmm. And back when he was uh, when he was in his heyday like even though how like how we view him as like such a iconic uh martial arts and actor mm-hmm. he would hollywood didn't want to give him shit because they didn't want to mm-hmm. bank somebody who wasn't a white dude yeah and look at the show it looks amazing oh it's very good it like well i'm to to compare it's like looking at when uh black panther came out just showing any amount of diversity, just just mm-hmm. something different than white dudes in Hollywood, it, it's financially like advantageous. You want to go for it. I would love to see more if if Bruce Lee was still around. I would love to see more of that. Um, Korean directors, um, who the guy who just directed um, Parasite. Uh, You're the movie guy, Justin. Come that's on, that's you. Yeah, that's well, he, you. Also, he also directed. The, the Parasite, which just won the Grammy last yep. year, he also directed one of my favorite movies, Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. And I I just like the difference in movie style, it, different in styles of everything. That's what makes well, it hey, it's it's Bong Bong Joon Ho, Bong Joon Ho, Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, yes, I think I pronounced that right. I tell you guys, I can't pronounce anything. <laughs> All right, well, I'll bring you something I know. I know Britt does know because I know Britt is a huge fan of the MCU. She texts me all the time about her theories. I think every single <laughs> Friday she would text me about WandaVision. Am, am, am I wrong, Britt? 
No, this show gave me this actually this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe gives me anxiety. Oh, <laughs> well, because like a big complaint with the MCU is there's not enough Asian American or just Asian mm-hmm. representation, and like there's um, Shang Chi and oh. the Ten so Rings coming out soon, like. Is that something that excites you? Because you're a big fan of the MCU and you're starting to see more representation in the movies you love. Like, what does that do to you? Kind of. I'm definitely excited for that. It's actually funny. I was on a clubhouse call or room last week and I actually talked to Simeon Liu, that is actually the star of um, that new movie. And he's also the star of, um, gosh, Kim's Convenience, which is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch it because it's really funny. Uh, I got Chris- get us an interview by any chance. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you have I, a really successful podcast to plug. <laughs> but I had asked him a question about, um, you know, him what was his intent behind joining like Kim's convenience? I mean, he's a Canadian actor um, from an, he's Asian American and he, you know, started in this show and, you know, did, did starting in that show end up being more to him around like his representation? And he, he answered it very like honestly and also diplomatically um, because I think at the end of the day, he's been very intentful about like, I think he's been tweeting and poking at Marvel for like, I don't even know how many years. So like, when are you going to put me in this movie and like into the cinematic universe? And they did it. And so I'm really pumped, obviously, just because I love Marvel, but I'm also very excited to see him star in as a star lead. Like, it's not just like he's like a side character or the villain, like, because I think that's going to change the perception of what people think Asian American people are like all of our lives. You always you know, the persona Asian American men, I mean, it's always portrayed to me too. Like they have this persona of being more nerdy or like tiny and not like these big bulk, like actors that you see in the world. And I think it's going to help change the perception a little bit, especially with such a powerful brand. Mm -hmm. You touched on something really interesting before. I'm sorry if I cut anyone off, but Like you talked about the lead, he's going to be the lead in the new movie and be like the hero of the story. And that's something interesting because whenever people complain about representation in movies, like they'll say, well, you know, Iron Man had War Machine, you know, why are you upset? Like, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like there's representation in these films, but it's like, they're not the leads. Like they're the side characters, Mm -hmm. the goofy characters. They don't get that much screen time. That's why Black Panther was such a big deal. So is that something that like you can tell people like, even though maybe there's like small little characters that show up, maybe even in Doctor Strange, but like it's a much bigger deal to have a lead character show up. Yeah. And I would also add to, he's a lead character that's going to be consistent. I mean, anyone that's watched Marvel, like Iron Man started how many years ago and continued his reign until what? Two years ago. I don't know the dates off the top of my head. He's coming but back, Brit. I know. I believe that, but I'm saying like <laughs> consistency. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing with Black Panther and R.I.P. to Chadwick, but like that character was going to be consistent. It's not just a random movie that's going to go up in the box offices. Like, what was that? Crazy Rich Asians. Love that movie. Love what they did. But it was kind of a one movie. It's just one and done. Where Marvel is known for consist. I mean, obviously, I think we're going into what phase four. Like, they're like for real. But like. That once they introduce him, and I think is it this summer in July, he's gonna be a consistent 
hurt. Is it just July or is it next July? Or did they push it out because of COVID-19? Everything's been pushed back because of COVID. Technically, uh, Black Widow is supposed to be out already. But it's so it's this July. It's still July? July? Yeah, <sighs> July 9th. So once that rolls out, it's like, yes, we're not going to obviously see maybe a second movie next year. But we're going to see him in the long run how many years from now. I mean, depending on how they do Phase 4. But mm-hmm. my whole point is it's going to be consistent. A lead character is consistent. And you think that will like excite children too? Because like I know like maybe seeing someone that like you can recognize with on the big screen, like maybe it's important for children to kind of see that, especially in the main character kind of phase. I think so. It's you know it's interesting. I was thinking before this podcast, I was thinking just about my experiences, and I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother, love her to death, <laughs> um, she had bought me American dolls and. I remember my mom used to make fun of it. She's like, you don't need this doll. Like, this is an expensive set of dolls. And I remember she used to buy me the Samantha doll that was a brunette, but a white doll. And be simply because, like, that her dark hair look reminded her of me because they didn't at the time have an Asian doll. And I, and I sort of started thinking about growing up. And it's like the only movie I ever gravitated towards as a kid was um, Mulan, which, by the way, is still one of my favorites. But, like, that was the only time, right? But it was the only one I was ever able to like resonate with because my parents, and I love them to death, I do, but they never really put that in front of me. They never like, not that I needed them to make it intentional, but like besides for Mulan, besides for, I think that's literally the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. There weren't any other like Asian shows or movies or anything. And like literally I was getting white dolls that have black hair given to me as like oh that's not close enough where now i look at the kids now and it's like if they're seeing an asian male star as a lead in a brand that is ginormous i hope that that makes a difference and i think that you know disney and pixar i pick them specifically i think they're trying to move that direction um to make more intentional decisions about what types of movies and shows they put out i agree that's also interesting because like just to go back to what you said Britt like you you talked about how you were kind of ashamed to be Asian like and you were kind of wanted to be more white like so hopefully these kind of roles and these kind of things like kind of make people excited about their own culture right like it's it's something that could excite people like America's a very diverse place we should Mm -hmm. celebrate that not hide from it no I would agree and I think like you know the important thing to remember is that America is a diverse place and we need to celebrate all differences and similarities and not just hone in on, I think what we've been talking about the white male experience in these large brands across every TV show and every platform. Mm. Yeah. Like if we, we were intensely privileged growing up in terms of the media we consumed, we could each, you could ask each of us separately who our favorite superhero is, who our, what our favorite cartoon was growing up, what our favorite TV show was growing up. And we have a multitude of like people to choose from. In the MCU alone, like, like we could pick who some, like when we were kids, like who we looked up to in terms of our media. It's, it's, it's unfair to people who don't look like white dudes. And personally, I, I like seeing a lot more diversity. It, it mixes things up because things get stale. And like, I want to see different things in the media. And yeah, it's, 
it's better for creativity. It's better for everything. I think it also hones in on the diversity of thought and the diversity of like these different perspectives. I mean, I'm not going to own that. I, you know, I met someone through clubhouse, um, Camilla Benjamin, and she's, you know, the creative director of UX at uh, state park and we're her at a conversation about that around like the diversity of thought. And I think that these different perspectives, the way we're showcasing them in the media is it's meant to change the world and we're not going to change the world overnight, obviously. But I think the intent is that hopefully as our, like my grandparents' generation, and then obviously our parents' generation rolls off. Hopefully, we have you know what we're doing in the media can help impact our generation and the kids as well that are younger than us. So we just got to wait out the old people to get out of the way. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't mean to say it that way, but like I'm gonna be honest, like I can't change my grandparents. I can't change my dad's brother who has their thoughts like this is this engraved in them and I'm, I'm gonna really waste my breath and be like no this is why you shouldn't think this like i'm not gonna waste my time on them but can we target like us and target you know our future kids one day yeah mm-hmm. i think so yeah there's, there's even people our age that are you know targeting asian americans mm-hmm. right now for covid and it's it's disgusting to see because like it doesn't make any sense so like it's it yeah just to continue like yeah, and that's why I wanted to bring you on, Britt, because not only are you a great friend and a great person, but like I think your message gets across way better than me, Justin, or Jason talking about this because we're just three white dudes and we can talk about this all day. And I think we talked about. Oh, I'm sorry, Britt. You want to go ahead? No, you just made me think of something. Don't underestimate being three white dudes because the power that three white dudes have is sometimes more than what I will have as an Asian American woman, especially in these like large groups of people, businesses, like you guys have more power than you think. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely right. You do. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) No, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about the black experience. And so we were talking about being allies and, you know, the white guy being an ally to a black guy, they're like, well, what's like, I'm not black. Why does it matter? And I was like, because you have power. Like, at least I'm going to speak from corporate America's standpoint, like, you know, being an ally isn't just about like understanding the experiences you can advocate for people. I mean, like you guys having up this platform, you can advocate for the the hate going on, but you also can go and check in with your Asian American friends or your black friends that when bad, the George Floyd tragedy happened, like you can go and make a difference by just asking how they are. Like, you know, dude, I'm seeing everything that's going on in the world. Hope everything is okay. You can use the platform on Instagram to literally just say checking in is more important than you think. Like someone at my job said it in a courageous conversation that the Hartford hosts around, they asked like, you know, I don't want to feel awkward, but how do I check in with like my black colleagues when things like this happen, which is unfortunate. And someone literally answered, it's better to come to the party than to not show up at all. And that's exactly how it is with three white dudes that have the power to go check in and broadcasting it through these types of platforms or social media, or even just your friend groups. If you're in a group text and you're like, Hey, XXX, how, how are you? Like mm-hmm. it, it means a lot more than you think. Totally agree. Like I just, I wanted to bring you on cause I wanted to give you the platform and the space to talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, even though we're just three, you know, three white dudes, but like we do have that ability to just kind of bring other people on and talk to them and, you know, maybe show our own ignorances and talk about it and talk it out and learn. You know, I think we're all just kind of trying to learn from each other. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And I think you just said something so important is like the vulnerability and the authenticity to you wanting to learn is so important because there are so many people in my life, honestly, and I hope they're watching this now and listening that are too, like, think of the inclusion scale. You have like the super high acceptance to the people that are disgusted by it. And there are so many people that are in that gray area of like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to post anything. I'm not going to even address it, but I'm not racist. Like, it's just like, but they're not going to admit their own ignorances and being able to admit and be vulnerable for that two seconds of like, you know, I'm trying to learn. It means more than, you know, because again, I have friends, a lot of friends that are so in that space of like, I don't care to learn. Like, I don't want to admit my vulnerabilities. I'm not racist, but they don't want to do more. Literally saying, oh shit, my bad. I didn't see it that way is probably one of the best things you could say if you genuinely mean it. Like if you're just trying to sidestep a conversation, but if you, if you get somebody to make you think a different way than what you think beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's also very like, how do I say this? I keep saying I'm still learning. Like, I don't know how to say certain things. I'm, you know, the other day I was literally having a conversation with someone at work about accessibility. I don't know how to say things where it's not offensive and it's okay to feel awkward for that two seconds of listen I don't know how to say something I don't know how to say where it's not offensive we were talking about like accessibility and like how do you phrase something about something around disability and she was like you know one of the ways you can phrase it is you know you want to make a design you want to design something that is for everyone that's with people with varying abilities so they don't feel excluded those little things of me just asking the questions like I literally I said I was like I don't mean to sound like an asshole and it's almost like a backhanded comment there but I, I want to learn. I just, I don't know. And admitting that you don't know and feeling awkward, just it shows a whole level of vulnerability and authenticity and people can see that. It's, it's all about intent. Show that you're human. Mm-hmm. That, that goes back to, I remember when the Black Lives Matter just started, not that when it just started, but yeah. last year when it picked up a lot of steam, I reached out to one of my black friends and I was like, Hey, I don't really know. I wanted to put out a statement like in support, but I didn't want to come off virtually signaling. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to come off genuine, but also not offend anyone. And I just reached out to him. I was like, Hey, like, what do I got to say? And he tweaked little certain things. He's like, Hey, this seems more talking down. You want to talk more equal, you know? So like, just to get back to, yeah, like, I don't think anyone should be scared of being called racist. I think you should be like more scared of not learning from those experiences. Like if Mm -hmm. someone was to come to me and say, Hey, you treat me differently based on my race. Like, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. Like, let me learn from it. You. you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like if I went up to Jason and I said, Jason, did you come into my house and shit on my floor? <laughs> did you leave a three foot log in the kitchen with high humidity on the day? And if you reacted in a very, what, what I would never shit on your floor in a three foot log during humid weather. I'm going to think that maybe maybe you came into my house and shit on the floor. <laughs> but if well, you're like, oh, no, that wasn't me. I apologize if for the inconvenience you have. A little bit I more. I just want to talk about poop on the floor. I, I figured. <laughs> Britt, this is where the podcast goes off the rails, just so you know. <laughs> this is the shit show. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Britt, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Like, I know. I appreciate you for coming out. Or we all appreciate you for showing up. Do you have any questions for us? Oh, shit. (laughs) Good question. No, I think I asked all my questions to you guys in the beginning before we started filming. Um, 
No, I think the only closing things I would just say is like, you know, when things like this happen, you don't necessarily have to go. Okay, my opinion, actually, let me preface this. These are my views, my opinion, and they're not tied to anything else. Um, but, you know, when things like this are happening, like the commu- Asian community, the violence, the things like this, or even all the way to the level of the violence around whether it's police brutality or um, what's happening to the African-American community, like, you don't always have to go above and beyond and have to post all the time. And like, you know, it's like your bread and butter. But if you come from an in- a place of intent and you come from like the right place, honestly, coming from your heart, and I don't mean to sound like a generic, like, you know, spit a quote out, but like, yeah, if you check in with people because you care and just making sure to be that person for someone, like it, it goes a long way. And I, I can't emphasize that enough because like, there's a lot of people in this world that don't do it. And like, I would also just say, and this is just my personal pet peeve when people, and I love my friends that do it. I, I preface that because there's a couple in my head that I could picture literally listening to this and be like, Oh, she's talking shit about me. Um, <laughs> talking shit about them. When they're talking about like adoptees and stuff, like I always refer to like my, my birth, I've said a hundred times, my birth mom, she's my birth mom. Cause my mom is my mom. They're not like, you know, people have always asked me when I was a kid, you know, do you feel like differently because like your real parents don't look like you or like, well, what about your real family? And I'm like, my real family are the people that I'm living with. The people that have grounded me from taking the car out when I'm not allowed to, or like talking shit. Like I I just say, be mindful of like how you phrase things. And also if you don't know, it's fine. Just ask. At least I think so. I mean, I always just ask. Cool. That's great. I think that's great advice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like definitely just be understanding and ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Britt, this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I love having you guys. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you are way too good of a person to be on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your, your story at one point, I, cause usually whenever John's talking, I need to make jokes to, about, I did not want to interrupt you for a second. That was, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, sh- oh shit! Am I getting replaced as a? Yes, you are, John. One hundred percent. Britt, drop your career and all your career uh, oh, career God. aspirations. You're going to join this mediocre podcast <laughs> and take over as host. Yeah, you guys are doing better. I mean, I even had what was it a producer that emailed me officially? I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, shout out producer. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing yeah. great. Well, Britt, thank you so much for joining us today. This was mm-hmm. awesome. I hope a lot of people listen to this podcast and, you know, learn from our, your experience and kind of like understand that, you know, what's going on with Asian American hate crime is disgusting. You know, and I don't mm-hmm. even know if we touch on every single subject, but just just the, just starting stone, you know, stepping mm-hmm. stone. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the time, guys. No problem. Bye, Britt. Thanks, Bye. Can I hang up? Yeah, you can. Up? Yeah, you can <laughs> hang up now. You can hang up. <laughs> We'll edit this. Goodbye. Dinner. No, we'll leave it Thank in so you. you look embarrassing. Oh, you can leave it on. I, I'll even plug. I have to go make dinner and I need to go create a script because I'm hosting a clubhouse room that I kind of forgot about, but I need to go make sure that everyone's ready for it. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Britt. Bye, Britt. Bye, Britt. Bye. Bye. Uh, I loved that interview. I don't know how you guys felt, but uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I said, she is too good of a person for us to. Like, <laughs> Jesus, uh, sorry, I know you didn't really get to chime in. Is there any like thing like listening in like that you enjoyed about that? I, I just enjoyed it all. Just enjoyed what, it. What all? was yeah. your favorite part about it? 
all of it. What, what, what part? <laughs> come on. Come on. You really want me to get specific? Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I like the, the part when she was talking about being on the plane for the first time. Because yeah, I, I can never even fathom that. Like That was absolutely I, I'm always around seeing people who look like me. Yeah. It just gives you like a different perspective on life, basically. Yeah. It, like, what if what if it was different? Yeah. Some people don't give a shit if it was different. It's exactly. like, no, this is what's going on. This is how I do it. Yeah. I like the... Not that I liked, but uh, the part that I thought about a lot was the part where she said she had an old friend reach out to her and make a joke that even though she thought it was offensive, she didn't know if she should make a big deal. Like that kind of resonates with me because like you don't know, you know, you're growing up and you think everything's okay, and maybe you have a friend that's a different ethnicity and you're like, oh, we're just making jokes. We've always been okay with each other, but it might be bothering them, you know? You, you, you never want to offend anyone so it's yeah and it's really they may feel too awkward to say anything and it's like now you're putting them in a weird position to mm. yeah yeah just totally ask agree. but this begs the question what are you guys drinking today <laughs> i'm so mad we're not together for this right now but i'm dr- drinking uh citra dreams even though we're not doing a uh, irish beer for irish car bombs or anything for saint Patty's day well, you know, to our listeners that are still listening, we will do an Irish car bomb on the Instagram and maybe a TikTok. Oh, we'll definitely Friday. have to do a TikTok for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do it for them. Jason, you have to show the Gen Z uh, how to do an Irish car bomb. Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll do a full Guinness, though. Oh, gross. Yeah, tall boy. That's disgusting. Make it warm, though. Oh God! Wait, so so Jason, what are you uh, currently drinking right now? Um, actually, what I just finished was a peach jam from two. Ooh, Irish. that's not Irish at all. This is for our uh, St. Patty's Day episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure the the peaches the peaches are Irish. <laughs> they eat peaches in Ireland. It's fine. No, the peaches are only for the presidents of U- the United States uh, of America. Okay. You looked off to the side like you weren't sure about that, Justin. I caught I, that. I can't remember the the band who sings the song Lump. Oh, yeah. Okay. Justin, what are you drinking? <laughs> I am the only one he that was that sitting there the whole time. The whole time. I am currently drinking Smithwick's and son. My bread is in the holder thought. <laughs> oh, no. His Where bread. did he just go? He was making beer bread and forgot all about it. He got captivated by a bread store. Oh, no. I hope the bread's that- okay. <laughs> That's honestly the funniest thing that he just took off. I can't wait for that to be uh, screen grabbed. Okay. Is, okay. The, is the bread okay? The bread is okay. Okay, thank God. So I, I'm... <clears throat> uh, take two. Bad action. I am drinking Smithwick's and Sons Irish Red Ale. That was it. And I just made Irish soda bread. No, Irish beer bread. Because it was made with beer. This beer to be in. In fact... And I got it at Trader Joe's. Jason, where did you purchase said peach jam? The package store. Or sorry. But where could you get the peach jam? The package the store. Package stores. Two roads. Two roads, yes. Two roads. Yes. Stratford, Connecticut. Yes, correct. As I got mine in Trader Joe's. <laughs> but you can get it in Ireland. Oh, John. Look at you. Uh, so I'm Citra. drinking the Citra Dreams you guys brought over a few weeks ago. We talked about it on the pod. It's Captain Lawrence Brewing Company. Drinking it, mm-hmm. you know, finishing it up. Uh, 
Where is it from, actually? Hold on. Let me look around the KM. The viewers love this. I know. This is the most exciting part. Watching John trying to Jason, read. where's it from? Hold on. Where's can. it from? I know. Huh? You really can't find it on the can, just uh, No, John? I can't. You're oh, my God. It doesn't say where. But it is green, so St. Patty's Day, so it counts. Wow, so you're saying everything that's green is St. Patty's Day? I didn't say that. Wow. <laughs> it was a really good interview. I had a lot of fun. I'm really glad Britt made the time to do this. I, I hope we do more interviews like this, you know, because, yeah. you know. It's just Britt cool to hear somebody else's opinion. Like, Yeah, yeah exactly. totally agree. And Britt talked about the power we have as three white dudes that can just bring other people on. So yeah. people listen to us. We did it. Yeah, all, all twelve people who listen to this podcast. Woohoo! But no, either way, it's 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 cool to hear other people's opinions. So let's keep that yeah. going. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, we'll end it here. All right, gents. Cheers. Peace, y'all. Happy St. Patty's Day, everyone. Happy St. Patty's Day. Thanks for drinking with us. Find us at Hot Takes and Beer Breaks on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Adios. Bye.